Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wet Boots Podcast, where we will interview military members and highlight some of the most memorable moments in their careers. Moments from the good, the bad, and just those times where you have no other option to keep going in wet boots. So stick around. Hey, everyone, welcome to the Wet Boots Podcast. It's getting real hard to uh, find a car out there. I went to one dealer that wanted 19000 out the door for a 2018 Corolla with 89,000 miles on it. And it was just absolutely, it was absolutely ridiculous. This recession is coming in hot. And uh, to be honest, personally, I'm still not over Jerry Springer's death. Uh, <laughs> my, Jerry! <laughs> my guest today uh, has quite the resume. He's a former Intel, currently special operations. He's the jumpiest of jump masters. Father of two kids, failed marriage under his belt like me. High five. Yeah. Winning. Uh, feeds the homeless on his free time, which better men than me, I wouldn't do that. He's got multiple combat deployments, and if I do say so myself, kids got a fucking hog on him. Uh, please welcome my guest today, uh, Abe Marquez. What's up, bud? Well, what's up, brother? Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me here, man. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It's uh, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to have you here. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, man. So, uh, uh, Abraham, I go by Abe, so you can always call me Abe. Uh, 35 years old. Man, 35 years old. Time flies. Time flies. Kids looking young as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so honestly, bro, like, I'm originally from San Diego, California. I'm the West Coast boy. Me too, you know? bitch. Yo. Yeah. High Hell five, yeah. slap. You know, I'm also Mexicano. You're Mexican too? Hell slap. yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah, so bro, so I joined the Army in 2009. And, and honestly, when I first joined the Army, it was mostly because, um, so my wife at the time, I got her pregnant. And I was like, well, I got to be a better man than just working in a nine to five job as a security guard, which, bro, it was a fun job because as a security guard, I did securities for the Chargers. Damn. So I was at the Chargers stadium like all the time. But they still suck, though. Yeah, they still do. They still do. But, I mean, it was free football. Yeah. Which was fun. Uh, the San Diego Padres. So I would do security for San Diego Padres. And then the best one, which I think it was the best kicker, was I did security with the same company for uh, concerts. So I was at the Little Wayne concert. I was at the Tool concert, Metallica concert. Uh, Kids lived a full life yeah, over yeah. here. Damn. Slipknot concert. Dude, that was wild. That was wild. Yeah. Like, like every time there was a mosh pit, the rule for the mosh pit was as long as they're standing and they're fighting, stay out of it. But it was like hockey. <laughs> it was like hockey. The minute they fall to the ground, you got to drag them out so they don't oh, get stomped. They don't get stomped. But you just let the fight go. Because... Bro, there was like 15 to 20 people fighting, so just really you can't do anything because for your own safety, uh-huh. you just have to kind of just wait it out, you know? Yeah. And then, um, so at that time, got my got my, uh, my ex-wife pregnant, uh, and I was like, all right, well, I got to do something better than this. I got, you know, I need um, a better life for them. So I decided to join the Army in 2009 and ended up going to, um, to basic training in Fort Jackson. Relaxing Jackson, Relaxing baby. Relaxing Jackson. So yeah, bro, it was, it was it was good times there at, at Jackson. As a matter of fact, uh, when did you go to Basic? I went to Basic in 2012. Funny story, I I actually told this on my last episode. I flew out of San Diego to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, for basic training on 9/11. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 2012 though, right? 2012. 2012. Yeah, you were party harder in your first unit by then. Uh, 2012. What was I? In t- 
Yeah, so I just got back from my first deployment in 2012. Jesus, I was barely getting in the yeah, army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, man, I, I think you and I joined around the, like, the spike of, like, the war era, and it was just starting to tail off to, mm-hmm. to the point. So I, me and you probably still were able to see a lot of craziness happening during that time. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, bro, uh, yo, so getting to basic training, I don't know from your experience, but I know for me, one of the craziest things was... Um, uh, it was like prison. It was like prison. And, and what I mean about prison was like, um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have seen like shows and TV shows in prison, but like naturally everybody kind of segregates themselves to their own culture. Cause uh-huh. that's the first time that you're leaving home, you're leaving a comfort zone. So naturally you just want to be able to, uh, uh, mingle with the people you kind of know. Right. So as soon as I got into basic training, like you don't know anybody, like, so naturally you just, everybody kind of just spread to like their culture. So I saw the Latinos. I was like, yo, what's up? Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexicans were just like high five. You speak Spanish. I speak Spanish. We just kind of stick together. You saw the blacks going with the blacks, the whites going with the whites, Asians going with the Asians or sometimes they just mingle with the Latinos. And then, um, so that's how it was like around like the first couple of days. Mm -hmm. But the minute the shark attack happened, bro, it's like we realized we're all <laughs> we're all sucking together. You know? Yeah. So it's like it didn't matter where you were black, yellow, green, blue, whatever. Like we were all just sucking um, yeah. together. So that, that's when you realize that um, race didn't matter anymore. But that time. But that was it was a weird experience just to see how naturally everybody just kind of gravitates to what they feel comfort. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's that it's that shared trauma or uh, as they call it, natural or. Uh, it's not shared trauma. It's something else, but it's that, it's pretty much that shared trauma. Once you once you all experience that same thing, you're all kind of on the same wavelength, and you're like, "Well, we're all sucking dick here." So, I mean, fucking um, problems go out the fucking window. Exactly. Send it. Yeah, segregation <laughs> and all that shit kind of just goes out the window. So you're all just kind of a cohesive unit, and that's that's pretty much the goal. Yeah, it, it is the goal, and it's pretty cool because, um, not gonna lie, like, I mean, being from California, you and I, we know that like the multiracial stuff, like, we see that all the time. Like, it was nothing hard for us to be, like, cool. Like, everybody's with the culture, blacks, whites, Asians. I mean, you can name it. Like, we can all hang out with everybody. It was cool. But it was actually interesting to see that there were some white dudes there. That that was the first time seeing, like, black people or Latinos for the first time. Yeah. Like, I remember one of my boys. He was a cool dude. Like, he was legitimately was like, yo, I'm not going to lie to you, man. This is my first time seeing a black guy and a Mexican guy, like, my whole (laughs) life. And we're like, nah, man, you're lying, right? He's like, nah, man, I'm like, where are you from? He's like, man, I'm from, like, the central part of like, Arkansas. And it's like, I've never actually, like, met any of you guys. Arkansas, all they know is Tyson chicken and meth. <laughs> I dare somebody to fucking prove me wrong on that. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, man. And so, like, it was pretty cool because the dude legitimately wanted to know about our culture. So it was pretty dope, you know. But he's like, yeah, man, it's the first time seeing a black dude and a white guy. I mean, a Mexican dude. And I was like. Well, we're here, man. What questions do you have? <laughs> you know? So that was that was pretty interesting, man. Tell me a little bit more about uh, basic training. Um, so I'm pretty sure, like everybody who's been in the military, the thing that they will always remember is the shark attack. Yeah, the shark attack, and that's when all of your drill sergeants just come at you at once, and they're just yelling at you, telling you to do certain things. Um, some people. That's it's, when some people learn that uh, laughing is their coping mechanism, which is yeah, which is which is, which is, which is a it's big, not good. Which is not good. It is not good at all. You just bring attention to yourself, yeah, and they just keep going at you. But I remember my drill sergeant; just, it was a female, and she comes up to me and she's like, "Hey, stand in the petition, stand in the petition, uh, position of attention, fat ass." And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> uh, I was actually pretty fat back then, bro. I was heavy. I mean, I was like. Like who let Shamu out of the well? You know, Jesus, out of the water. I was pretty big. I was a big boy, 
And um, I remember she told me specifically, she's all like, so like, I'll make sure by the end of the summer you can fit in those Speedos, those sexy ass Speedos you always wanted to wear. And I was like, I don't want to wear Speedos. Please just stay away from me, you know? But dude, she was, she was hard. And I, I, I got, I got a lot of attention from her because I kept calling her ma'am or sir. And she kept telling me, first of all, I'm not a sir and we're not in the Marine Corps. Yeah. It's like my first name is Drill, last name Sergeant. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So there I go doing pushups again, constantly all day, every day. And, and it's, it's kind of weird because there's no, there, uh, every time there's a military movie, it's always about Marines in basic training, fucking full metal jacket. That's yeah. a movie in basic training. I'm, everybody's seen that movie. And anytime there's somebody in basic training, it's always sir or ma'am to the drill, to the drill sergeants. But when you get to the army, you call them, you call them sir, or ma'am. And they're like, I work for a fucking living. I'm not an officer. Shout out to all the officers. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All, <laughs> but they're all, like all the good ones that actually look out for the enlisted. All the good ones. Yeah. If you're green to gold, yeah, you're cool. But if you're not, you know, <laughs> <laughs> big time, man. <laughs> uh, but you, but we always think about that, and we don't we don't really think about that aspect of it, and we get caught up in it, and that's just the fastest way to just get just your ass chewed right the fuck out, big time, bro, big time. Yeah. Uh, was there anybody who was there anybody in basic training who it was like their first time leaving home or anything like that? Like they missed their boyfriend, girlfriend, and stuff like that. Oh yeah, there, there was this. There's this one good buddy of mine. He was from Puerto Rico, and I mean, like, his his English level was like at a scale of one to like none. It was like none. He definitely went to DLI and passed on a curve. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, right? And um, so that dude was like one of my buddies because um, he always like leaning to me. He's like, "Hey man, what are they saying?" And I was mm-hmm. like, I try to translate it for him. And I remember every time I spoke Spanish, the drill sergeant would just smoke me. So I like, stop speaking Spanish in formation. And I was like, bro, the guy can't speak English, man. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, because sometimes the drill sergeant will be yelling at him and he'll be like, I, I, was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And they're just like, tell me, are you fucking retarded? What's wrong with you? And I was like, no, he just can't speak English, man. Like, <laughs> let me help him out. You know, so and, 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 and I remember one time I was talking to him and like, hey, bro, like everything cool. He's like, nah, man, it's just it's my first time leaving my family. He's like, I got two kids. He's like, it's so intense. Like, I don't speak English, so it's very hard. And so I was like, man, I got you, bro. Anything, any questions you have? So, I mean, I always, I always had his back every yeah. time. So that, you got to in that point. Yeah, you had to. And I was like, bro, I got you. So every time I spoke Spanish to him, I'd be like, hey, man, they're saying, they're saying to the left. Like, okay, cool. So he'll go to the left. Hey, they're saying now to the right. Okay, go, go to the right. So I'm like, do as I do. Monkey see, monkey do, <laughs> Just do, fucking bro. follow me, Just follow dude. me. So and he got to it. And, and he was I remember, like, when we both graduated together, he was very proud. He actually came to thank me and said, hey, man, I really appreciate it. I couldn't have done it without you. Like, I really appreciate that you were there with me. So, it yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, still t- uh, stay in touch? Actually, we do stay in touch, man. He, he's wild. actually out of the Army now. Uh, he did his four years and got out. Um, dude was a smart dude. A guy came in with a master's degree already. What the fuck is he doing in the Army? I have no idea. That's what I told him, too. I was like, I, I thought he was going uh, green or gold or that OCS you know how, like, you can have a degree, you go to OCS, yeah. and you come in as a specialist, because he was a specialist, yeah. and I thought that's what he was going to go for. He's like, nah, man, he just wanted to just come in, get his stuff together, and... Have yeah. that background, maybe. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. I, I don't talk to anybody. Do I talk to anybody? I don't think I talk to anybody from basic training. Maybe airborne school? That's a hard maybe. Definitely some, some people from my first unit, but yeah. nobody from everyone's school. I still remember the faces. I still remember the names and stuff like that, but yeah. definitely nobody, man. Um, 
like I told you before, I had my first Dear John call. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of a Dear John letter, I got a Dear John call in basic training. Uh, Did anybody have any of those in in basic? Yeah, so I remember a lot of people did have some Dear John calls. Um, And, like, the more people were getting Dear John calls, I was waiting for mine. Fuck. Like, I was was like, oh, I guess I'm next. Let me see what happens, right? Uh, but luckily I didn't get anything, um, every time, um, so in order for us to use the pay phones, that's right. Pay phones. I, I don't know if you guys are dating you, himself here. Yeah. Yeah. Pay phones. Yo, bro. Did you know that nowadays all the basic training people still keep their cell phones and are able to use it? I did not know that. Yeah. I, I actually, I kind of did cause my cousin, uh, went through basic in yeah. 2021 and, uh, he said it wasn't that hard. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like they don't yell at you. They don't call you a fuck face. They don't call you a fucking oh, retard. They don't do shit, none bro. of that shit, man. And I'm like, that is, that's kind of disappointing. It, it's, it sucks for me. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I went through that shit. Why the fuck don't you have to go through that shit? But the culture's changing. People are more sensitive and all that stuff. And yeah, it's very true. It's very true. But I, I don't know like, how they're going to handle that. So last time, so, um, Within my family, uh, me and my two brothers uh, joined the army. Mm-hmm. So I'm the oldest. My little brother joined the army, and then my my other brother joined the army. And both of them, I have gone to their um, basic training graduation, and I talked to them. And the last time I went to Jackson again, all the payphones are gone. There's no more payphones. When did you last go? I think it was like 2000. Actually, it was 2020. I went in 2020. And all I remember is. Uh the building that I had, that I did, that I did AIT in was completely gone. Yeah. So sad. It has changed. I know. It's I didn't obvious. go through basic and, and I didn't go through basic at Jackson. I went through AIT in Jackson, but okay, it, the building that I went to is gone, but I don't know about the payphones. But payphones are hard to find nowadays. They are hard to find. Like, I think, bro, I think last time I went to Wilmington and I was on my way back and I pulled over somewhere to get gas and there was a payphone there hanging I was like, whoa, wow, there's still a payphone here? Yeah, it's like seeing a blockbuster. Like, you don't see one, but you know they're out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I remember those Dear John calls, right? So everybody's waiting in line to use the payphone. And in order to use your payphone, you got to, the drill sergeant made you do push-ups for it. Really? So he's like, if you want to use the payphone, it's like 20 push-ups. That's not bad. Which is not bad if you were actually, like, taking care of yourself and stay yourself in shape. And there was people who were struggling. So you see how people are like doing like nine pushups in the drill. So I was like, nope, keep going. Jesus. At nine? Yeah, dude. Fuck. Yeah. So, um, but I remember I was able to use the payphone. I called my ex-wife at that time and I was just like, hey, how's everything? And they were all happy to hear about me. And I was like, anything new? And they're like, no, nah, everything's everything's legit at home. My mom was helping out with the kid and everything. So it was actually, it was cush to hear like everything back home was taken care of. Yeah. So then I felt like everything that I've, every, all the sacrifice that I've been doing up to this point was worth it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that was actually good on my end. But bro, like it was, when I saw other people hang up the phone, they're like, yo man, they killed Ricky. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? I was like, what is it? Who's Ricky? I'm like, are you quoting a movie? bro? (laughs) Some people would hang up the phone, they would just be pissed off. And then the drill sergeant's like, see, this is why I don't let you guys call home because you guys come out of here looking all like bitches and blah, blah, blah. Get your ass off. And like, so like one bad, one bad phone call, everybody had to stop using the phone because then then they felt like, oh, we're all going to get bad, bad news and stuff. Oh so shit! It, was, it actually was kind of sucky, man. So it was like a little ripple effect. Yeah. So it's either either a you get in line and be the first one to use the phone, so at least you can get some good news, or b uh, you're you're risking that somebody else is gonna get bad news, and then we're all gonna just gonna get off the phone. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Good thing I didn't. We didn't have payphones. I think we had the thing, the like the cubbies for him, but 
we had our phones, but I, I only used it like once and that was right before, uh, well, they only let us use it once and that was right before, um, the graduation to make sure our families were going to get yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I got my dear John call. Oh, <laughs> dang. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a high school sweetheart. Uh, no, actually. So I met this woman, um, right before I left and our moms were, uh, our moms were friends and all that stuff. And then I, I left and then I called and she was like, uh, hello. And I was like, Hey, it's me. Uh, miss you. Blah, blah. She's like, did you get my letter? And I was like, no, but, uh, she's like, yeah, read, read the letter. And that's all I got. Dang. Dang. That sucks, bro. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. And then yeah. it, my dumbass, it took me a couple of years to find out that, Hey, that was a dear John call. I didn't realize this until like last year, a couple of years ago. Damn. But I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is, but it's, it's crazy, man. The dear John calls, man. Hope you're living under a bridge. Um, so after <laughs> basic, so after basic, uh, you, you went to AIT. What was your, uh, MOS then? Uh, so I, I went, I was, a. Uh, you were into, oh, hold right? on, dude. Uh, speaking about the dear John, let, um, calls, I didn't get a dear John calls, but there was a situation with, um, love letters. And so, <laughs> I remember my drill sergeant came into our bay and he started um, flipping our, our rooms and they were looking for love letters. And I was like, what is he talking about? And like, he was just like having people in the front lean arrest. If you guys don't know what front lean arrest means during the push-up position. It's a great time. It's a, it's a great time. You, 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 you get your abs strong and your lower back strong at the same time. A lot but, of time to think. <laughs> a lot of time to definitely a lot of time to think. And, um, and so he comes up to me. He's like, hey, fuckface, do you have any love letters? And I was like, not yet. He's like, what do you mean not yet? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean not yet? And I was like, well, my wife hasn't sent me anything yet. He's like, no, you idiot. Anybody from the female bay. And I was like, oh, oh those love letters. Oh, I was like, shit. I was like, no. So apparently there was dudes from the male bay dating girls um, from the female bay. How do you date in basic training? Bro, I have no idea, but apparently it was happening. So, th- like, you just meet up in the laundry room or something? Bro, it, it just think of, like, Catholic church where, like, the dudes and the women couldn't sit together, uh-huh. but they were passing notes. Okay. So there was dudes and females, like, falling in love, like, oh, my gosh, I love you so much. And then you just read Dude, the drill sergeant grabbed, found one letter from one of the dudes, and he read it, and, like, it was from the girl to the dude and the girl was just talking like, Oh my gosh, I can't wait to like be in your arms and sit on your face. And like, a, Whoa, bro, bro, it, went, it went super explicit, bro. That's what I'm talking about. Like, it was crazy. Like the guy was embarrassed. The girl was crying her balls off. It, it was amazing. And so when the drill sergeant came up to me, she's like, what do you mean? Not yet. And I was like, dude, I'm just, I haven't got anything from my wife yet. And he's like, no, not those, you idiot. I'm talking about, like, next door. So they were getting kinky with love letters. Bro, that's, were, what, bro, that's what I'm talking about. Bro, it was it was bad, man. It was pretty bad. I like that. Yeah, so I was like, no, nah, I ain't got no love letters from anybody. I'm waiting for the ones from my wife. And I finally got them because my drill sergeant was keeping all of our letters. from. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's, shit. He said the only reason he was keeping our letters was because he didn't want he didn't want to have Dear John letters in him. And then it just caused us to just, like, not perform during basic training. Uh, makes sense. So it, it, I see their point, but it kind of sucked because, you know, sometimes you need that little motivation thing like, man, no one like you. You see the other the other companies like getting letters. Yeah. And, like your your platoon is not getting anything. So you're like, dude, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, so it just you just get like demotivated too as well. But I guess it causes you to get a better connection with, with everybody else. there. But it does. You know, you start building more better friendships because you're like, well, I guess I mean, I got nobody else except you guys. So I guess I could just got to hang out with y'all. 
Um, but once I got the letters from 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 my wife at the time and seeing like how much they missed me and loved me, I was like, all right, cool, bad. Like, let's just keep going. It was good motivation yeah, for you. Exactly. So after basic, uh, you were you were Intel. How was AIT? Oh, dude, AIT. <laughs> so those of you who are trying to get into the Intel community, you're gonna go to Fort Huachuca. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the home of the Intel. Like that's like for sure. Granted, you're gonna go there. Yeah. And depending on your MOS, you're gonna be there for about nine till about a year. Long. That's a whole ass fucking baby. It's <laughs> it is, which it's plenty of room, which is plenty of time, um, for people to get married. There was a lot of like legit. AIT marriages happening during my MOS. Really? Yeah. So I was a 35 mic. I was a human intel. Uh-huh. And our course is about nine months if you don't fail. If you fail, it's about a year long. Jesus. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie, man. I probably, there's like a handful of people like falling in love and getting married and like having babies and a bunch of stuff. I'm like, dude, there's, there's just enough time and a lot of space for people just to wild out. Jesus, people are fucking in AIT. Yeah, one hundred percent, and getting, and getting married. Those are the best ones, the marriages. And and newsflash, nine out of ten, they don't make it. They don't make it. They don't make it. We had one guy meet a girl in AIT, and uh, they were always together. And I think he proposed because they were because I think they um, had him in the first sergeant's office. One way or another, we all found out that they were engaged. And we're like, what the fuck? Like, you just met four <laughs> weeks ago. What the fuck is happening? Yeah. But I, mean, I fucking, I guess. I don't even, I don't know. But I think, I do know that um, they would tell people, they're like, uh, don't go into the laundry room at this time. And I'm like, they are fucking. Like, that is the weirdest spot, I guess, to 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 fuck in the laundry room. And, and AIT, and you're probably not going to see this person again. Fucking, I don't know, man. We we were kind of like lone rangers. We, we were yeah. able to do whatever the fuck we wanted. Um, so if anybody wanted to do anything, they would just get a hotel off post. Yeah, exactly. And and, and, it's, and that's one of the things that I like. Um, it was weird, too, because for us, it was uh, so most of the people that used to like go ahead and like we're just fucking around will go to the game room or the, they call oh, it the yeah. common area. So yeah, they'll be in the pool table and they'll be like, hey, man, the pool table is reserved for stuff. And I'll be like, bro, first of all, I want to go play pool and get off the pool table, man. Oh. You know I'm saying? Why, is, why are these Fuck. balls sticking? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my God. Like, get off of them, right? I'm like, be like a normal person and go get a hotel room. Like, yeah. Like, you guys are making money. Uh, you should be able to just go get a hotel room for like eight bucks. And Dude, the Motel 8 was like really outside the base. Yeah. Next, go there. Go there, right? Oh, but dude, there was a lot of that stuff. But one of the things that I remember like really pissing me off was it was me and like two other of my buddies. We were 21 and older. So we mm-hmm. were able to drink. The majority of my the rest of the class was under 21. And they were the ones getting like DUIs, <laughs> being drunk, like in formation. But because they were drunk, we were getting in trouble because the they thought that we were the ones providing alcohol because they're like, well, there's no way these guys can buy alcohol without someone else buying them alcohol. And since you guys are cool with them, then it's you guys. And we're like, nah, brah. As a matter of fact, we purposely, every time like we went out on the weekends, me and my boy, we purposely stay out of um, Sierra Vista. Sierra Vista is the, like, the main city where what you guys at. Yeah. So we either went to Tucson or we went to Tombstone. And like, mm-hmm. and we just just try to stay away from like the young people because yeah. they get, these people just walling out and somehow we got in trouble. <laughs> there's one time that I was there's one time dude that I was actually in my barracks sleeping. I got woken up 
and I got blamed for it for a guy having a DUI. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was like, bet. I was like, I'm like, yo, I was in my room the whole time. I didn't go out. Like, I was playing like PS3 the whole time. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And so it, it was. It was good times. I got in trouble for people's mistakes. Prepared you for uh, later on in life. It, it really did. It really did. <laughs> it prepared for later on in life. Uh, somehow I got blamed for somebody else's like marital problems, and I was like, I'm not even the one having sex with them. So I was like, that's not cool. I mean, at least let me get some before I can get in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me get a turn first, bro. Yeah, exactly. If I'm gonna get blamed for it, it's like, bro, like, yo, come on, let me get blamed for something good. Yeah. You know. So yeah. I like that, man. That's fucking. <laughs> that's fucking classy. So at AIT, what what time frame was this? Oh man, that was uh like early 2010. So that's when um. So I graduated high school in 2010, but that's when the whole uh, thing in Arizona was where like they can, they can profile you, right? Yeah. So how, how did that go? Well, bro, so, <laughs> so the first funny story leading up to that. So first story leading up to that was that same year. Um, so I failed. I failed like one of the hardest class like tests uh, during my AIT. So I had to stay l- longer. Okay. And so during the summer, uh, we had an influx of illegal immigrants in that area. I mean, because, I mean, uh, Sierra Vista is literally right around the, like, like 10 minutes away from, like, the border of Mexico. Mm-hmm. So one day I went to the shop at, you know, minding my own business. It was the weekend. And I saw, I saw literally, like, about 15 illegal immigrants just on the floor <laughs> with their hands behind their back. And, like, the MPs and the Border Patrol were right there. And one of the MPs told one of the MPs literally profiled me. So like, he's brown. He probably speaks Spanish. He's like, hey, man, can you speak Spanish? And I was like, yeah. He's like, can you help translate? And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I go up and I talk to the the, the, the the illegal immigrants. And I was like, hey, man, what's going on? And he told me, hey, ask him, like, you know, why did they come into the base? And I was like, hey, and I told him in Spanish. And like, hey, ¿por qué se vinieron aquí en la base? And they were like. That means, why did you guys come to the base? That's what For those of you who don't speak Spanish. Exactly. You know? And the guys were saying, like, so um, they were following the blimp. And there's and so and, and and over there there's there's a huge blimp and it has like cameras and it shows everything like to kind of see the area, and they said like yeah the coyote guy said follow the blimp and you'll be in the United States. I mean, I mean, I mean he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. <laughs> he just didn't say where they were gonna get to. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so holy behold, they climb over the mountain and boom inside the base. So like they technically turn themselves in, you know, into the, in, into the base. Oh, man. You know? So I was like, yo man. Yeah. So yeah, you guys are in a military base. So that's kind of suck. And so they got rolled up, but, um, and then during that time frame, you know, I went out, did my thing, you know, went to go get my haircut, go to Walmart, uh, you know, just do my own personal stuff. Yeah. And this one time I was actually walking from, from, um, from Target to uh, Olive Gardens because I parked right in the middle. It's like, I'm going to go get myself something to eat. We'll say Olive Garden's a classy fucking place. Classic. Just, I mean, like, you know, legit. You know? Like compliments to the chef at yeah, Olive yeah, Garden. Compliments to God the God damn, they know how to make a good spaghetti. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bro. Anniversary date? Olive Garden. No Olive better Garden. place. Yeah, no better place. Um, and as, as I was walking, uh, the service, the police department, uh, cop like flashes his lights and pulls me over. And I was like, what? Like, I thought, I thought he was going to get the car in front of me cause he kind of like drove past me, mm-hmm. but now nah, it was me. He's like, Hey, you stop walking. And I was like, Oh, okay. And he's all like, Hey man, like, do you have an identification? And I was like, yeah, I do have an identification. I'm like, why? He's like, you know, the reason I stopped you was, you know, just want to make sure what's your citizenship. And I was like, ah, I was like, word. I was like, okay. 
So I show him my military ID. So I, I didn't even go straight for my driver's license. I just show him my military ID. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, bro, I'm military. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. He's like, no, nah, we're just double checking. We're just making sure because there's been an influx of, you know, migration and stuff. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So that kind of got me interested. And then I went and researched, like, why is my, why did I get profile? And I was just researching. And then I came down that the, that year, the, they passed a bill where they can actually stop and ask you for your citizenship. I remember that. There yeah. was a whole fucking thing about that. I think uh, we seen you then made a video about it. Yeah. Made a music video about it, completely different from the <laughs> lyrics and everything. It was like a love song, but the whole video was about uh, like people coming into the United States, being racially profiled and being deported and all that stuff, which is weird. Yeah, it was, it, it was weird. And, you know, at first I got like, sure, I kept presenting my, but then I think after like the fourth, fifth time, bro, like I actually got tired. So I decided to fuck with them. God damn, fourth, fifth time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? They try to catch me right and dirty. Fuck. You know what I'm saying? You know, so, um, so after the fifth time, I think it was like the fifth time or fourth time, something like that. I decided, you know what? I'm going to have fun with these guys. <laughs> so I got pulled over again. You know, actually, this time I was driving. Uh-huh. And back then I was driving a Honda Civic, you know, um, you know, race rocket low to the ground low to the, i mean low to the ground right <laughs> so they only they, they try to catch me dirty and i was actually racially profiled so they um you know they they took my id um no they asked me like hey man what's your they didn't even ask me like my driver license like what's your citizenship like first thing out of their mouth so i, I was like you know what i'm gonna speak to them in spanish so i was like no sé lo que estás diciendo so i don't know what you're saying and blah 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 so the guy's like i need you to step out of the vehicle and i was like okay so i got out of the vehicle and i he just kept asking me questions i just kept that talking to him in spanish and then the border patrol showed up and then eventually the border patrol was like hey man like what he tried to talk to me in spanish this broken spanish is like como te llamas and i was like oh my name is abraham and they're like oh you speak english i was like yeah and i was like i'm actually uh, i'm actually a service member of the united states army he's like oh my he's like, god he's like bro why didn't you leave with that in the beginning i'm like bro why you guys keep racially profiling it's like the fourth fifth time that i keep getting stopped for this stuff man this is this is annoying you kind of already know the cops yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like yo man we're sorry we're just doing our investigation you know blah blah blah. i'm like bro but this is this is this is legit racism man like yeah. like, like I, I get it bro but like bro come on he's like yeah man but you know and i was like whatever dude so they let me go and i was off on my way but i just got tired of it you know yeah so after that i just started like every time i drove i started bringing my white homies with me and so like they stopped you know racially profiling me because they're like they're like oh it's, you know it's a bunch of whiteies with him you know so it should be fine you know he's he's an american definitely you know so uh, and that's the show everybody <laughs> Hey yo, man! Sometimes you just gotta use your, you know, your, your privileges. And I was oh, like, yo, shit. I gotta get my my white boy privileges. Sit with me in the car so I don't get pulled over anymore. You know, and it worked. It worked. Hey man, if it works, it works. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or maybe oh, they just shit. stopped profiling. I don't know, but it, yeah, I'm just gonna say it worked. I will. We'll say it worked, man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, after AIT, uh, where'd you go after that? So after AIT, I got my orders to go to Fort Bragg. Damn. Yeah, which is now in for, known as Fort Liberty. I will never call it Fort Liberty. Never. Not even there's a fire. Nope. Not even there's a goddamn fire. I'm not calling it Fort yeah, Liberty. It's, it's going to be Fort Bragg. Bragg till I fucking die. Yeah, Fort Bragg. And it will always be Long Street. Long Street, one word. One word. Long not Street, two, one mm-mm, word. Not two words. Not two words. Did you, you saw how clever they were? They put long and then they put the street. As yeah. in, like, no. Mm-mm, one word. Not, it's Long Street. Street. Yeah, Long Street, Street. That's exactly what it mm-hmm. is. And I think they changed Raleigh Road, too. What? I think they're gonna change Riley. Riley, I think I think that's one one of the ones that they're changing. Not, I don't give a fuck. You know, no. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious. Just because they changed Fort Bragg, there's a lot of stuff outside named after Fort Bragg. Are they also gonna change that too? 
You're talking about like uh, like small businesses? Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. I don't have like, the fucking money for that shit, dude. Yeah. Like, the Army's paying out like billions of dollars just for the name change. Yeah, especially like the the bank. Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg uh, Bank. Yeah, Fort Bragg Mutual. Yeah, they're not. I don't know. That's a good fucking question. I don't know, man. I mean, it's probably for those businesses. For those businesses, I'm assuming it's going to be like we uphold the tradition and shit like that. Yeah. Just like us, we hold the tradition. Yeah, yeah. not calling that fucking <laughs> shit Fort Liberty. Yeah, so I ended up going there to Fort Bragg from my first duty station, and I, I probably, I probably got a one month in, mm-hmm. and they said do not even unpack my bags because I was deploying like the following month. That seems to be the good. That seems to be uh, the narrative for most people. It was. It was. So I was. I went straight to Afghanistan my first year in 2010. Mm-hmm. Like immediately, I was there, and it was it was good times. It was good times. Like, um, so being an Intel unit, like being a 35 mic, uh, when I first joined the army and like when I was talking to the recruiter, the recruiter's like, Hey man, do you want to go 11 Bravo be infantry? And I was like, nah, fam, I'm good. I was like, that's no for me. I was like, no for me, dog. You know, I got kids. I got a wife. I'm not trying to die. I'm not trying to do any of that stuff. You know, know, I'm a lover, not a fighter type of thing. And then the recruiter's like, well, do you want to be a 35 mic, which is an interrogator? It's like, you just be like in the prison systems, you know, um, you know, just what detectives do. And I was like, ah, that sounds like a cool job. You know, detective, no big deal. You just talk to people, try to figure out what's going on, right? So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Wrong. (laughs) I get to my first duty station, and I get attached to 4th ID, an infantry line unit. Jesus. So I was going out on patrols all the time. He didn't lie. He (laughs) just told an alternate truth. (laughs) He told an alternate. He didn't tell me, like, the caveat. This is what could happen, you know? He just omitted some of the truths that might have been there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at that point, I was like, might as well just be infantry at that time, you know? But, um, you know, honestly, I I, I give kudos to all the infantry guys and stuff because, like, it's it's crazy, you know, going out there. And I learned a lot from them, which I I had to play both roles. Like, I had to be an infantry mindset first. Before I can do my job. Yeah. Because, like, the first thing is uh, eliminate the enemy. Mm-hmm. If not, they're eliminating you. So, it's like, that was true. So, I had to just get into that that mindset, you know. So, I mean, my first rotation, I dealt with mostly harassing fire. And harassing fire is mostly when people are shooting at you from, like, probably, like, 400, 500 meters away from you. So, it's, like. Relatively close. Re- but- relatively close. But it's mostly, like, you're in a long distance where it's more like they're just, like harassing you yeah that's all it is but i deal with a lot of ieds out there though really yeah a lot of ieds like explosions like left and right like those things are those things were pretty crazy man they are they are pretty crazy and they just catch you out of nowhere yeah when you at least fucking expect it um when you were in afghanistan did you uh did you actually do your job yeah i actually did do my or did job. you just do a bunch of uh infantry stuff no so um so we went out on patrols first and once we got to our objectives or we did once the infantry did their job whether it's to clear a clear an area um we got into some firefights and once we kind of you know um once the dust kind of settled once the dust kind of settled and we just kind of arrested technically like a bunch of people then i went through my job and just started interviewing each and every one of them how was your so the first time you went out how was how was that did you did you was it exactly what you expected or was it like oh that Nothing really happened. We just came back. Um, so the first firefight. So I, I we went on a couple of patrols first, and nothing really happened. Mm-hmm. It was all like just regular patrols. We were just going out, visiting people, um, talking to some village elders, um, just you know, 
um, trying to build like some some rapport with friendships, you know, with people like, hey, we're the Americans, we're not here to do anything crazy, we're just yeah. here to meet you. Not gonna lie though, bro, some of the areas, I'm pretty sure you can probably agree with me, I feel like I was like in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. You, you saw you saw like the panadero man, the people making meat on the streets, people selling. You kind of feel at home, and you're like, you know what, this isn't that bad. Yeah, I was like, yo, this is not bad. I feel like I'm in Mexico right now. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, this is legit. Like people are trying to offer me stuff from like from outside the street. And I was like, this straight up like Mexico. You know, yeah. like yo, let me get that fruit. How much is it? You know, it's yeah. like it's a, this many pesos, but it's Afghani's back then, right? Yeah. But it felt like home. I was like, ah, this feels like home. You know what I'm saying? Like eating. Uh, instead of eating tacos, I was eating uh, kebabs out of a naan, which yeah. is bread, right? So it's yeah, same, same, you know, but different. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so after a couple of patrols, uh, everything was pretty cool. I was like, ah, this is not bad. So I kind of used to it. And then we got into our first firefight and we were getting shot at. I was like, oh shit, we're getting shot at. Like, this is legit. Like, like, yeah, like this is real. This is real. Like, th- like dust was coming out of the ground, like legit. And I was like, I should probably take cover, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you see the dust coming up, and you're yeah. like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm like, I should, I should, I should probably like take cover. So yeah, we took cover, and then like I'm just like I was, I was a private that time. So I was an E3, mm-hmm. so private first class, and uh, and I was just looking at my team sergeant, like, what do I do? And he's like, Dude, return <laughs> fire. And I was like, okay. So I just put that thing on fire and I just started just shooting rounds wherever I saw. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting shot at. Yeah, you You're getting shot at. <laughs> Sorry, what do I do? Yeah, I was like, what do I do? You know, he's like, yo, return fire. I was like, bet. So I put that thing on fire and I just started shooting back and stuff like that, you know? And uh, finally, like, you know, the fire, the, the dust kind of settled. The infantry guys did their thing, like they flanked them or whatever. And then they corralled the guys within the vicinity. And then that's when I went to go do my first job. And I was like, dude, my drilling was so pumping. So I was just going at these guys. I was like, yo, who was shooting at me? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And they were speaking to me in like in uh, Pashtu. So I didn't even know what they were saying. So I turned around to my interpreter. I was like, what is this motherfucker saying? He's like, he's saying it wasn't him. And I was like, bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, they shot at me. That's not cool, bro. Uh, but and it ended up being that um, we ended up arresting like so many people that were just innocent bystanders it was just it was just everybody within that bubble was getting arrested so we were just sending all those people like to the actual like the prisons Mm -hmm. and i don't know what happened to them once they got to the prison but we were just arresting everybody pretty much anybody that shot at us everybody was getting arrested pretty much that's how it goes that's how it goes right and then we'll let the the prison system like deal with them and figure out who's innocent and who's not yeah yeah because you can't really tell what when you're you can't really tell when you're there yeah you know shots are firing shots are going out all around the place and you're like well somebody's shooting at me yeah exactly and they're in that area so yeah and after that first firefight that was my first time actually dipping oh tobacco yeah how was that that was it was it was pretty gnarly yeah like, high as fuck yeah, yeah i did as a matter of fact it was copenhagen wintergreen shout out to copenhagen oh, shout out to Copenhagen. that was like the first thing i tried i just put a nice big wad in my mouth right and i was like this should be good bro literally man like I got nicotine high and I was just like, just, I went from my chair and I just started like melting like butter. Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, bro, this is legit. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think I I tried it once and I just tried like a small sliver. I put it on my tongue. I'm like, why is this spicy? Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. Yeah. And it was good. It was good. And then for then I just been, been, I just been Copenhagen strong. That's what I'm talking about. That's classy. As a matter of fact, you know, what I do now is that there's, I like Copenhagen wintergreen, but it's too strong. So I like Copenhagen mint. So you mix them? So I mix them. So it's, yeah, I call it minty green. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I get a nice little green, a little bit of mint. Bro, it's legit. I'm just saying, Copenhagen, if you're watching, y'all should like, just blend it yourself. <laughs> just you know? blend that just shit blend up. Just blend that shit, call it minty green. 
you know, it's good. It's some good stuff. So at least it gives you a little spicy, a little cool. So it actually keeps it fresh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So when you were in the 82nd, you, you had, you were like coming, you were like going out, coming back, going out, coming back. How was that? Yeah. So, uh, after my first rotation to Afghanistan, first time I uh, got back, went straight to training, went back to a deployment cycle and then redeployed the following year. And, Jesus. and that, that year I was deployed to 101st and in the 101st, like, um, that one actually was pretty wild. Like we lost a lot of people, man. Yeah. Like that one was like straight up firefights. Um, we were going from raids to raids, um, explosions. Um, what else? Dude, anything that, anything that like that the movies or war talks about, bro, I experienced it that year. That was in 2013. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was bad, bro. Yeah. Yeah. We like, we, we lost a couple of dudes. Um, it, yeah, man, it was pretty bad. Jeez, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But experiences are what, uh, what build you. It really does, man. Like, and, and, and honestly, I think that year, so in, in my first year tour, like we got, we got, got a couple of buddies got blown up because it was mostly IDs. We didn't get that much firefights, but it was mostly IDs. And that took a toll on me realizing like, yo man, like, like this is not like call of duty, man. You don't, respond, yeah. you don't spawn back, bro. Mm-hmm. Like you're gone. Right. And it, it, it kind of hit me in reality. I was like, man, like, like I could be next. Yeah, that could be next. So when I made it home that year, I was so thankful. I was like, man, I am so thankful like that I actually made it home. But it, it took a toll on me, right? And I was like, I couldn't figure out what was going on through my body. And I realized that during that time, I was going through PTSD. Mm-hmm. And so, like, my relationship with my wife and my kids was kind of rocky. And then suddenly things started getting better. And then I deployed one more time. Yeah. And that was in 2013. And that's when we actually got into legit firefights. Like, we were just, like, you know, we were just... We were shooting. There's one time we actually got pinned down. And, but because the area that we were in, we were priority for air support. So the A 10 and um, uh, Apache showed up. Bro, you want to hear freedom? An A 10 flying by and an Apache? Bro, yeah. it's like America, straight up. That's what I'm talking like about. Like raining hell on people. That's what I'm fucking yeah, talking dude, about. Bro, like, it was. It got me hard on, not gonna lie. Hey, that's what yeah, I'm fucking yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah, baby. Yeah. If it doesn't get you hard, hey, then you get bro, no, I'm scared. <laughs> bro, not gonna lie, like I actually was scared too. Cause when yeah. I heard the A 10 just coming down, it just goes, Bruh. I was like, oh, sh-. that was pretty close. You know what I'm saying? And then you see the Apache just litting up the mountain, and we're like, yo, this is this is legit, you know? Um, and unfortunately, we lost one of the dudes there. Uh, I was like, actually, I was there providing support to the to the medic. Yeah. So we're patching them up, trying to do everything we could. And we got them stable. And then the medevac showed up. We load them up on the helicopter and we took them down. And then, you know, a couple hours later, we could hear back that he didn't make it. Damn, dude. Yeah, yeah. So, Damn, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, man, it's the price of war. You know, it's the price of freedom. But that's it really what is. It is. And, and at, at that time, we realized that we were just fighting for the boys left and right of us, man. At least we we just wanted to come home. That's when it really comes down to it, that's what that's what it's all about. Just the guys next to you. It is. It is. And, and all we wanted was just, we just all wanted to come home. Like, yeah. We just want to come home eventually, you know. And that's all we focus on. It's to the point where it's like it's either them or us, mm-hmm. you know. And that's when I realized that. <clears throat> You know, the way the army trains you, it's honestly, bro, it's a one-way ticket. Mm-hmm. It's a one-way ticket. And and that's something that you, a lot of people need to understand before they join the military is, like, you have to understand that war is, war is real. Yeah. War is real. Um, and there's a price for it. And and I think uh, Ronald Reagan said, you know, uh, freedom is only one generation away before it it, it it just disappears. Yeah. You know, and and it's true. And, and that's why we have to continue 
you know, focusing on our military, keep it strong because at one, one point, you know, this freedom that we have, it could just disappear very, very quick. Yeah. If we don't, if we don't protect it and, and going to going to war, I realized that I realized that the, the military trains you to go to war. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, they focus on everything, you know, going to the ranges, going to X, Y, and Z training. I mean, they prepare you to go to war. Yeah. What they don't prepare you for, where I feel like that's where, you know, we as experienced, you know, like the senior ranking NCOs and senior ranking officers, we should focus is, is reintegrating back. Yeah. Because it is legit. It is a one way ticket because honestly, the way I took it, and this is what kind of took a toll on me and through my mental health was like, we, we go to war and if you survive and you come back, the military is like, Oh, you survive. So there's these couple of programs it's up to you mm -hmm. if you want to go to them or not. But if you don't, cool. If you do, sweet. If not, hey, you do you. Yeah. But before you deploy, like they're very adamant, like, oh, you got to go to this training. You got to go to this thing. Make sure you're green on this. Make sure you blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. Because if not, you're not going to deploy. But when you come back, they're like, hey, it's on you whether you want to get these programs or not. The thing about those programs is uh, throughout the years, there's, there's certain stigmas behind getting right. help for those programs. And yeah. I think... From my experience, at least in our unit, uh, the arm, at least the individuals have done a good job in being like, hey, at least our unit um, has done a good job in understanding um, that struggle. Yeah. And being like, hey, if you need to take a break for yourself, just be transparent about it and let us know. And you don't have to give details or anything, but if you're transparent with them, you're like, hey, I need a break for my mental health. Then they're all about it. They're yeah. like, that's great that's fine. Do you do what you got to do? And then when, and then let's get you back to where you back to back in the fight. Yeah. And, um, a lot of times, but these programs aren't known to everybody and that's, and that's the biggest thing. So, um, my biggest beef with that is that these programs are usually just check the block training. Yeah. And there's just like, Hey, let's get this resiliency training done so we can go home and shit like that. But those, should those types of programs and those types of briefs should be given by people who actually care Correct. and see that as a problem and like, Hey, this isn't a check to block kind of thing. This is, uh, this is effect. This is something that affects everybody. Yeah. And I, I, at least our unit, like I said before, our unit's got, uh, done a really good job at that, at, uh, giving us those, giving us those resources and, to, and being like, Hey, if you need to take a break, that's fine. You got this. Oh yeah, definitely. Brent. And, and I totally agree. I agree with that. Cause, um, and I think also <clears throat> initially it just takes that um, because it, there is bad stigmas about yeah. it, right? Like, like, oh, if you do this, blah, 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 or you're weak, uh, you're going to get kicked out of the army and X, yeah. Y, and Z, right? So you, you freak out. You're like, man, I don't even want to talk about it. But one thing I want to tell, you know, just put that out there is that um, if, if you're bleeding out of your leg right now, you know, what is one thing that they teach you to put on? Tourniquet. A tourniquet. Now, let me ask you a question. Will you leave that tourniquet on for the rest of your life? No. Now you probably go see, go to the ER and yeah. get that things fixed. You know, so our mental health is the same way. It's just the only reason we don't go seek help is because we don't naturally see it bleeding out. But mm -hmm. it, but it's it's bleeding out internally, man. Yeah. And it's just capitalizing each and every day and every day and every day to the point where you know a lot of people. I lost a lot of buddies uh, to suicide mm -hmm. because of the same reason. They just they they lose the war within. Yeah. You know, and I actually was there not too long ago. Where I felt like, you know what, I think, I think this, I'm done. Like, I just don't want to take it anymore. And it's time for me to go, you know? And I, and I tried to actually crash myself into a tree because I, so I have kids, right? And, and, 
and I knew I was going to kill myself, but I didn't want to do it where like I shot myself or then I want to do it like in an accident. So at least it's easier for my kids to explain. So I didn't want them to have the same, um, 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 cycle, right. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, Oh, well my dad did it. Then I can do it too. Right. So I tried to do it as an accident, but unfortunately, man, like I was able to kind of like, I don't know what it was. I, I, I probably got to say it was an act of God that stopped me from doing it. Yeah. And I, I swallowed my pride and I was like, you know what? I got to go seek help. And so I went and sought, sought help and not going to lie. You know, I was truthful with everything. And when they first diagnosed me, they diagnosed me with, um, um, PTSD, uh, and, um, uh, adjustment disorder mm -hmm. and the adjustment disorder. Uh, they only give you six months in the military for you to adjust. Okay. And after six months, they'll start doing chapter chapter paperwork. So, and the, here's the thing, though: if you go seek behavioral health, it's you have to be truthful in order to get the right help that you need because they're actually in it to help you come back out of it. Like, but you they can't fix the problem if you're not being truthful. Yeah. Right. And and, and I'm not saying like it's it's up to you what you want to say, but you have to be truthful because I did tell them like, hey, you know what? I did try to commit suicide. I do hate some people. There's some people that I want to slit their throats. You know, and they're like, whoa, like, all right. Uh, yeah, you do definitely got some serious problems. So they, they gave me like, hey, man, look, you got six months. You got six months to do treatment. And after the six months, um, if we see that there's no improvement, then we'll start moving to chapter. And I was like, cool, bet. And it, it was scary to accept that, man, there, there goes my faith. Like, that's it. There's my military career is over. And, but I was like, I, I got to get help because the thing that kept motivating me was like, I got to be here for my kids. I got to yeah. be here for my kids because I already separated with my, my wife at that time. So from 2019 to 2021, I was separated from her, you know, and then um, we finally filed for divorce. And, uh, and so, but everything has been going gravy between me and her. Now, me and her are actually like best friends now. But <clears throat> during that time when I was going through my dark times, I was like, I got to be here for my kids. So, I, you know, I, I opened up to my, my behavioral health uh, counselor and she helped me out. And I think four months in through the tr proper treatment and medication that I needed, um, she was able to switch my uh, adjustment disorder to just regular depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, I see that you've done a lot of improvement. You've implemented everything that we have done to be a better person and to um, take control of your mental health and your emotions. It's like, and you're not faking it. Like, I can see how much you have changed. Like, there's a smile on your face and it's genuine. And she's like, all right, so let me change it up. So she changed it up. She's like, hey, you're, you're good to continue serving. And it's, and it's up to you to accept that risk. And like, exactly. And that's one of the things that you have to accept the risk. And uh, for those who are listening, they're going through some stuff. Like, if you don't want to go to behavioral health yet, go to the military one source. Like, I actually call them first. And they will literally will stay on the phone with you and they will make the appointment for you. Mm -hmm. Like you don't even have to say anything. You can just be like, Hey, I'm at the verge of killing myself. Can you please get me help? And they will stay on the phone with you. They will call a plethora of re, uh, people around your area and you get about 12 free sessions, Yeah, 12 free sessions that you guys can actually like go for free. And if you like your therapist at that time, then you can get a referral from TRICARE and TRICARE will continue paying the rest of your session. Oh, shit. So it's a civilian. You're actually talking to a civilian versus an actual military people because I know there's a lot of, I'm just going to say, across any 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 workforce, there's always bad apples. Yeah. There's always bad apples. There's bad cops. There's bad firemen. There's bad medics. There's bad everything. There's mm -hmm. bad soldiers. There's everything bad, right? But uh, at least if you feel like if you can trust a civilian to talk to them, at least get that first before you move on to another section. I mean, there's resources for you not to like, um, um, hold yourself to be like, nah, no one's here to help me out. Like dude, do it. 
Yeah, I I was in a in a similar spot, not as not as intense as yours, but I was in a similar spot not too long ago, and um, I felt like I couldn't couldn't talk to anybody. I mean, you always have friends that you could talk to. Right. You always have people that um, that are like, "I'm here for you" and stuff like that. But what did it for me, and what my kind of breaking point was, uh, was that I had a nightmare one day. And I woke up. It was like two thirty in the morning. Okay. And uh, I gra- I went to grab my phone because I was sweating. I was crying and stuff like that. And I went to grab my phone. And I'm like, it's 2.30 in the morning. Who the fuck am I going to call? Like, it's 2.30 in the morning on Tuesday. Some friends are probably out partying, whatever. Some Everybody else is asleep. Everybody's got families and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, shit. I'm, I, I'm, all, I'm all I got. Yeah. So I had to kind of make that mental switch and be like, I need to get some help. So um, I went through our chaplain actually and what people don't really know the old one or the new one the new one okay so what, what people don't really know about chaplains is that she uh, she did a great job at uh giving us our resiliency brief and suicide brief and stuff yeah and what people don't really know is that chaplains are actually counselors too they are so but they're also bound by law not to say anything to anybody yeah so they can't tell the chaplain's assistant anything they can't tell anybody if you kill somebody God, hopefully not. But if you do <laughs> and you disclose that to the chaplain, they can't say anything to anybody. Yeah. So I went to her and um, she helped me out quite a bit. So to your point, there is a lot of resources out there. Some some people just don't fucking know. And sometimes it, it, it does take that um, that low point that that to hit that. It does take hitting that rock bottom to realize, oh, fuck, I actually need some sort of help. I need somebody. But the best advice she gave me was if you don't want to go through all these resources, if you don't want to go through the proper channels or the, the all the stuff that you have, um, be true to at least two people. Be like, hey, I'm in a really rough spot, and I need to know that no matter what, if I call you, you're going to answer. And that actually helped me out quite a bit because I'm like, oh, shit, because now you're being transparent to someone, being a little vulnerable. Yeah, you have to set your pride aside. Yeah. But you're also telling them, I need you in this situation. In any situation, I mean, I need you. And it's up to them to say yes or no. And if they say yes, then great. You have one person that you can count on 100%. Yeah, man. No, and, and I think you hit it on the spot is, um, especially for men, I think it's being vulnerable and accepting that. It takes a lot, especially especially for well, us Mexicans, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a lot. That that Latin pride, <laughs> that Latin pride, dude. That it gets to it's you. Like no one's gonna see me cry. Yeah, you know, crying. Nobody's gonna fucking see me cry. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's. But but when, but it just takes a toll on you. And when it does take a toll on you, you realize that it's way too fucking heavy to bear. Oh, it is. It is. And that's when you, like I said before, that's when you have to make that mental switch, and accept that you need help accept that you need to talk to somebody at least yeah but um i don't i didn't see it as needing help i just saw it as breaking a generation uh generational trauma yeah so i didn't want to end up like my dad i didn't want to like my family uh and be in a, a loveless relationship or a loveless marriage where you have kids and then because the, the the way i seen it was you meet you get married, you have kids, and then something happens down the line. You hate each other, but you still stay together. Yeah. So I didn't want that. I want to try to break that generational trauma and uh, try to at least fix myself. So if I do find someone down the line, you know, I'll be a better person than I would, than my dad was to me because I see it in my brothers. Oh, yeah. My brothers are seeing my dad coming out of them. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, I don't like it. And, you know, they're in their 40s, so... Yeah. They're like, well, I can't stop it. I'm too old to stop it. I'm like, well, you 
you can, yeah. you just have to take that pride aside and um, admit that you need to talk to somebody or need help. But if you ever, for those of you listening, if you ever need somebody, if you need to talk to somebody, get the help you need. Just talk to someone. Um, be transparent with one of you two, one or one friend at least. Be like, I need to talk to you. And I just need you to listen. Because a lot of times, especially with men, we'll try to fix a problem right then and there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you just need somebody to listen. Hey, I just need you to listen and help me out through this. And nine times out of ten, they're going to be more than more than happy to help you. Yeah, that's, that's the one thing that I, I, I did remember is, like, just tell people straight up, like, hey, man, I don't need your advice. I don't need your opinion. Mm-mm. I just need you to listen. Yeah. In other words, like saying, hey, bro, I just need you to hold me. Yeah. Just, just hold me. Just let me cry. And honestly, bro, like the really thing, like, you know, coming from a, a Christian faith background, the number one thing that really helped me like swallow that pride was the shortest verse in the Bible, which it says, and Jesus wept. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a, am I supposed to like emulate and like step in the, in the same shoes that Jesus, who he was, I'm just saying this dude's the man. Yeah. If he was, if he cried, it says, and Jesus wept. I mean, he cried. Yeah. So he, if he cried in front of people, then I was why like, can't you? why can't I? Right. Yeah. I was like, look, okay. If, I, if he did it, I can do it too. I have to be vulnerable and I, I, I'll be vulnerable with the people that I, that uh, I can be with. And so yeah, that's, that's really helped me. I'm like, all right, it's time for me to start healing myself. Yeah. And, and you, you touch on the, uh, touch on the good spot where it says like, you know, in order for us to get back into a relationship, the number one thing that we must do is that we got to focus on ourselves, both intellectually, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Like those five type things, like we have to be able to like hone down on them because we want to be a better person. Um, uh, person where we're well-rounded that when we do, you know, meet whether it's friends or a new potential wife or something like we are that foundation to build with versus like being, I know that a lot of people get into that um, trauma bonding, yeah, you know, because they just don't want to deal with their emotions. So they trauma bond like, Oh, you did this happened to you. This happened to me too. And then they trauma and you bond. try to one up each other. In yeah, trauma. yeah. You know, you, then you try to connect trauma bonding and then like, you think you you think like you guys are doing good, but you realize that all you guys did was just trauma bond versus actually try to start a relationship like on 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 a on a mature uh, healing process. Yeah, you know, and then next you know relationships just don't work out, and and that and and that happens all the time. It happens all the time. It happens all the time, and you don't re- like you said you don't realize it. Yeah, you think you're building a good foundation, you're just trauma bonding, and it's lessons learned. It's lessons honest. learned. It's right. lessons learned, and it. Unfortunately, it sometimes for some people it takes those uh, those bad relationships to realize, oh crap, I need to I need to get in, I need to get a hold of myself. I need to figure out what's wrong with myself because you're not doing it for yourself. Yeah. You're doing it uh, for your potential family, or if you're doing it for yourself, do it for yourself. Exactly, man. You know, yeah, and uh, and then you know through through that time when I was going through it, um, I was able to get orders to go to seventh group. Mm-hmm. And that was probably a blessing in disguise because I was constantly going on rotations and training. So when I got to seventh group, I didn't deploy at all. So from 2014 to 20, you were a people. Yeah. So 2014 to 2017, man, I actually was a human. Like I was people. Like I actually was, I had a first name. I didn't go by my last name anymore. Like I was able to um, be at home with, uh, with my son and my daughter and my wife at the time. Like I was able to, um, like do all those things, you know, like I was like, Oh, this is legit. Like, this is what it is to be a human. Like, like it's weird. It was weird. It was weird. Like it was legit a nine to five job. If that sometimes I'll be, sometimes I'll get, I get to work around nine and I'll leave like around lunch or one o'clock, bro. Oh, bro. Like I, 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 it was cush. Like I was able to just be by myself and enjoy my time. And 
bro, I had so much freedom out there, man. Um, <laughs> honestly, man, I had so much freedom by mistake too, <laughs> which it was funny. Cause, um, so I was still a 35 Mike and, um, somehow, uh, the, one of the battalions wanted to take me with, them, but I was slotted with another battalion to go to their deployment to Afghanistan. Uh-huh. So that's why the, the first battalion they didn't want to take me. And then, um, the, the other battalion was like, they thought I was already going with them. So they never took me with them. They thought I was already with them. So when they got over there, I was never with them. And so the other battalion, so the third battalion actually picked me up. Like, hey, we're going to take you with us on our rotation, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But somehow they, they got lost in the mix and they thought that I was deployed with the second battalion. Okay. Yeah. So it was funny though, right? And, and all this stuff was happening without me, me not even knowing anything. I was just living my life, doing my best thing, you know, going to college, you know, spending time with just being human, right? Yeah. And then one day, one of the sergeant majors from 2nd Battalion um, runs into me at the gym. He's like, hey, man, welcome home, blah, blah, How was deployment? And I was like, I mean, it was good. He's like, yeah, man, cool, man. Like, where were you at? And I was like, well, in 2013, this is where I was at. And he's like... <laughs> No, 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 I'm talking about like recently. And I was like, bro, I haven't deployed. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, I thought you were with first battalion. I was like, no, man, I didn't play with anybody. So everybody <laughs> thinks that you're gone. Yeah, everybody thought I was gone. And I was like, so you're telling me right now, I could you should have just not even shown up to work for the past four years. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. No one even know that everybody was like, all right, he's deployed. Sure, he's deployed, you know? So I was like, yeah, this is this is kind of weird and scary at the same time. But <laughs> I guess I'm gonna do my own thing, you know. Uh, but during that time, since I had so much time in my hands. I decided to be a Joe Master. Yeah. So I went to Joe Master School the first time in 2014, and I failed. I failed big time. I failed JMPI. It I, happens. I, I, it happens. I think that's where everybody fails. Like I think it's like 67% of the people fail JMPI. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where grown men cry. Yeah. I mean, everybody cries. I cried. Like As soon as I was walking, I was like, oh, man, this is no fear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just kicking doors and everything, and I was so upset. Um, but uh, luckily... There was another class happening like a month later. So I was like, I'm going back into it. I was like, I'm not giving up. I'm going back into it. I already have everything fresh in my mind. So I went back in 2015 uh, for the next class and passed. And I, I passed. Like it was, so I always tell people, you know, if you go to German school, you fail the first time, just go in the second time. Just just go as soon as you can because you keep everything fresh in your head. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to just knock it out of the park. And I always tell people, you know, the best jump masters are the ones that go twice. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. <All> right. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I call it the six week school uh, instead of the four instead of the three weeks. So the six week, uh, six week school is what I went to. But um, and ever since then, man, I I, I I fell in love with jumping and being a jump master. It really just motivated me more to be to be part of that. And what really motivated me to be a jump master, number one, a was um, I didn't have to be in the shoot. For so long, yeah, because you're the last one to put on your stuff, so you're there, you know, JMPI and people checking stuff, you know, checking the plane, make sure everything's good to go. So you're not just sitting there waiting. That's what really motivated me first, you know. <laughs> you're not on shoe shakeout. You're not, and you're not on shoe shakeout, right? Unless you're a dirtbag, you get put on shoe shakeout. And I seen, I seen jump masters who are dirtbags, they get put on shoe shakeout. They're like, "Yo, man, I'm a jump master. Why'd you put me in there, man? Because you're a piece of shit. That's why. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you only come out when like you, you want to do the fun stuff versus like where everybody is trying to do the hard stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but so that really what motivated me. And then the second thing that really motivated me was the fact that you know, um, there's a lot of jump masters out there. They just go for the school and they can care less. Mm. you know and and so they're like doing you know horrible ch- inspections on on the parachute and the next you know you get soldiers whether they're like from like an e1 to a lieutenant colonel 
they'll come up to you be like, hey, Star Marquez, you think you can JMP on me? And I was like, yeah, I got you. And he's all like, yeah, it's because I trust you. So just to hear that word, like, hey, I trust you from like the lowest ranking to like the highest ranking possible. Yeah. Like, um, it's actually. It builds your confidence. It builds your confidence. It makes you know, like, hey, I, uh, they, they trust me knowing that they're going to at least uh, have a, 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 good, a good shoot that when they come out of the plane, it will open up. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, granted, whatever happens between the air and the ground, that's on them. <laughs> right? But at least I know that they're going to have a safe exit. And, and at least I know that after that, it's out of my hands. You know? Yeah. One of my one of our buddies actually uh, went to Jet Master School twice, and I want to hear this story because you were you were telling me about this earlier, and I was like, "No, we got to save this." Uh, one of our buddies, Mayo, <laughs> the uh, jump story with Mayo. Oh, Mayo, yeah. So Mayo, so no, it's a funny story. So the first jump master class that he went to, I was actually his instructor, so I was a black hat, uh-huh. right? And that dude was nervous from day one. And I always try to tell him, like, bro, stop being nervous. You'll be okay. Listen to what I'm telling you. You'll be fine. And unfortunately, JMP, I got him, just like everybody. And he did exactly how I said, go back into the next class. So he went to the 528th class. So he mm-hmm. went to that one. And he graduated. And so he graduated. And about two weeks later, we had our first duty. And he's like, yo, I'm excited. I'm like, can I be your static? Because, you know, you're one of my best instructors. And, like, you know, I want to do an airborne operation with you. And, and it felt great, right? When people say, like, hey, I want to do airborne operations with you. As a, as a, uh, well, now I'm a master rated jump master. I got my wreath. So they're like, I want to be there with you. I was like, cool, bet. So we're in a Casa 212. And a Casa 212 is a small little bird. It's technically, like, a freaking vegetable can in the air <laughs> all right like if anybody sneezes that thing like just has turbulence like for days right yeah and so for that airborne operation he was my static jump master and the static jump master all he does is stands in the door and he's looking for the panels on the ground to release me so he's he's checking like we do all our commands i do my commands whatever and i got all my people lined up so i turn around and i'm out i'm on literally on the edge of the ramp and i'm holding my static line looking out the ramp and just enjoying the view and then mayo he goes hey man got one minute i'm like cool one minute 30 seconds 30 seconds and then he forgets me to give he forgets to give me the standby so, so you're I'm, just standing there so i'm just standing there and i'm looking at him i'm like <clears throat> he's like i'm so sorry bro standby he's like yeah i got it bro i'm right here you cool i yeah. got you right so he goes back into the door and he's checking for the panels the i see the on the ramp there's a green light so i see the light turn green so for a Casa 212, the pilots, what they do is they turn the green light on the minute they're on the leading edge of the drop zone. Okay. So that doesn't mean for you to go. No, it just says, it, hey, we're here. Yeah, it's just letting you know we're in the vicinity for you to jump. So it means, like, it's safe to jump if you have to bail out. Yeah. So Mayo, he looks at the green light. He's like, green light, green light, go. And I'm like, I grab my static line. I look at the ramp. I still see trees. <laughs> so I turn around and look at him like, bro, like, are you sure? And he looks at me, he's like, let me check. So he goes oh back on the door. <laughs> he goes back at the door, and he's taking about two seconds. And then he comes back, and he nods and says, like, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I was like, I was like, bro, uh, I really don't want to jump, but I'm going to trust you on this one, right? And he, let it be know, I set the panels. Uh-huh. So I know where they're at, uh-huh. right? And I was like, there's no way they're this front, this like this forward. So I was like, you, you know don't what? see the panels yet. You don't see the panels yet. So that's how I know. I was like, mm, I'm, all right, bro, you know what? Whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to trust you on this one because you're like, yeah, I'm sure. Go, go, go. I'm like, all right, cool. I was like, yo, follow me. So I drop my static line on the ramp. I jump off. And as soon as I jump, I get my canopy, gain canopy, gain canopy control. I turn. And as soon as I turn, bro, 
dude, I see the panel still about 50 meters forward in front of me. And I was like, oh, this motherfucker let so me out you're early. above trees when you jump. I was above trees still. Oh. I was above trees. Luckily, the winds were not, they were like about one knot. So I was able to steer back into the drop zone. But he dropped us off way too early still. Jesus fucking man. After I told him, like, bro, when you see the panels, wait about five seconds and then drop us. Because the panels, since there was like zero winds. We were still going to have to walk further. So I was like, bro, drop us off late. So we're further into the drop uh, zone. Okay. So we don't have to walk that much. Yeah. And he's like, got you. I'm going to drop you late. Didn't do that. Not, I think he, tr- tr- he confused late from early. Mm-hmm. And somehow the L and the E are, you know, very similar. <laughs> They're too close together. <laughs> They're too close together, you know. And so, I mean, poor guy, you know, that dude's from Spain. So he probably can't understand. You know, English ah, Spanish, you know so, but uh, I, I love that guy. But the minute I walked back, which it took me about 30 minutes to get back to the uh, shoot shakeout, yeah. uh, uh, shoot turning point. Maya was literally on his knees like, bro, I'm so sorry. I left you out so early. I I'm, feel so bad. Like, let me redeem myself. And I was like, bro, you're an asshole, bro. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, I told you, when you see the reverse NATO L, like, as soon as it lines up with the door, give two seconds and then call the green light. Bro, you, like, the pounds were not nowhere near you, man. He's like, yeah, yeah I know, man. I messed up. I got nervous. Like, I got nervous because you were on there and like, I just wanted to impress you. Too many you. eyes on Too me. I'm trying to impress me. you, dude. Yeah. I was like, bro, you don't have to impress me, man. I just just do your job, you know? And so he felt bad. So now he, oh, every time he sees me, he's like, bro, when are we going to do duties together? I got to redeem myself. So it's like, I was like, nah, man, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you did a good job. You the did first a good time. job the first time. That's, that's it. Let's just call it there, man. But yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, shout out to Mayo. Shout out to Mayo. <laughs> Fucking Mayo. All right. Right before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Yeah, boss. Uh, these are questions that I just like to ask just to see if you still drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> Send it. First question is uh, Do you tuck your pants, do you tuck your boots into your pants or pants into your boots, or do you use boot blossers? I use none. Oh, you just fucking free ball it? No, no close, close. So I, I just use the little blousers on the bottom of my. Of but my you blast, but you blast your pants. So I blast. I don't use the little um the rubber band ones. You use the, use the ones that come in the pants. I just use the ones on my pants, and I, you know, I, I like to test the water, so I, I just put it off. I put it on my first eyelid on my boot. Now this is a rebel. That's a rebel. This is I a do. fucking small, rebel. Small victories, bro. But it's still it's still a very important question because stick my to, theory stick is it to the man. stick it to the man every time you yeah, get yeah, yeah. every chance you get. My theory is you cannot trust somebody who wears standard issued boots or, or or tucks their pants into their boots. Oh yeah, definitely. That's just a sign of a fucking toxic leader. I don't give a fuck who you are. Yeah. That is a sign of a fucking toxic leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my next question: Do you heat up your MRE? So, yes and no. So, if, um, like, for example, during selection, I did not heat up my MRE. Okay. Because you only had a couple of minutes to, and then you're banking that the MRE that they give you is not expired. <laughs> and if it's expired, that means your, your MRE heater is also going to be expired. It's going to true. It's going to be like a Quaalode, like an old Quaalode where it's going to take time before it kicks in yeah three hours later three hours later yeah you know what i'm saying so uh, um um so my mre i remember one time i had an mre heater from an expired bag not gonna lie bro it took almost probably like the whole night for the thing to finally kick in jesus and the only reason i knew that was because i was like i left my trash on the side where like they told us to put our trash in and the next you know i see the smoke coming out like in the middle of the night i was like wow that's that that it just kicked in (laughs) you know so selection i was like nope just eat it cold and let's just go. Let's well, just whenever you have an MRE now, you heat it up. So now, like nowadays, when like we have plenty of time to just heat it up, bro, I just roll it up, heat it up, just kind of just sit down, enjoy the day. And if it heats up, cool. If it doesn't, it is what it is. Fucking pussy. 
Yo, man, I like to I like to be bougie sometimes. So I, like to, I like a warm meal, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. Uh, most important question here: Are you a surface shitter? A surface shitter. Yeah. Uh, to put that in context, what do you mean? You're in the field. Got it. Got to take a shit. Yeah. Do you take your e tool out there with you, and dig a hole, or do you just fucking send it? All right, so you, you, you want to hear a funny story with this one? Let's hear it. All right, so check this out. All right, so I am a surface shedder. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Yeah, yeah. So this is this, this is me, right? This one time, um, uh, this, this is recently. So I went, <laughs> I went, I went to the Arslick uh, train up. Yeah. I went to the Arslick train up and, um, and I, I, I had to take a poop. Like I had to take shit. Like I had to come. I was like, it's, it's going to happen. And so I, I walked about a, about, about at least a hundred meters away from like the little um or or our people we were at, and there was an Apache doing his like <laughs> training stuff right, and so I was like I'm not gonna take no e tool I'm just gonna go and it's quick and easy right and so I went, uh, found a nice comfortable spot I'm like that's my spot where I'm gonna go take a shit, um, drop trousers, grab the tree in front of me and you know I I, I did it like a stripper you know just grab it and just drop it like it's hot that's just what hang I'm on to about. it so I don't fall forward right so I, I had some clearance. As I'm taking this shit, bro, the Apache, he's been doing, you know, um, circles circles and stuff like that. He literally stopped behind <laughs> me and just, he, he just hovered there as I'm taking this shit. And I'm looking at him like, bro, like, get away, homie. And he's just staring at me, looking at me. And I was like, I know you're looking at me, man. And he's just hovering there. And I was like, well, he's going to get this, right? So, you know, grab the baby wipes. I started wiping myself and I started tossing that at him, thinking like I was going to hit him, but not. But at least I'm showing him, like, get the fuck like, away. Fuck you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, that's what I did. So that that, that surface shitter. I think the the other one that was really really funny and actually very memorable was during selection. Um, I had to take a shit. It was pretty bad, and I just couldn't find the Porter Johns. They said the Porter Johns were in this direction. I was like, I don't know what that direction is. I'm just gonna go find a spot away from the people. I go, I find a nice little spot. I'm like, this is my spot. I go and I take a shit, and I didn't want to bury the baby wipes. So I just started tossing them, right? So I started tossing them. And it was, let, let, let it be known, it was the middle of the night. So I, so I tossed them. I got, I'm good, I'm clean. So, you know, you got to have two. You got to have wet wipes and you have the dry ones because you got to dry and wipe, you know what I'm saying? Because if mm -hmm. not, you're, man. You're just smearing peanut butter on chat yeah, carpet. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be a bad day when you go on the next, like, couple of ruck mucks. So, so I go back to my little shoot, go back inside, go to sleep, wake up the next morning, pack all my stuff. And as we're leaving from that little patrol base, we started walking in the direction where we took a shit. And the only reason I knew it's where I took a shit was because on the trees, I started seeing baby wipes hanging. Oh. <laughs> so it looked like the tree got TP, right? So as we're walking by, people were like, yo, man, who TP the tree? And I was like, yeah, who, who was that guy? <laughs> that fucking asshole. <laughs> oh, my fucking So, yeah, God. so, yeah. Yep. That was good, man. Oh, man. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it, right? Oh, it was Jesus a shitty situation, Christ. man. Uh, when you're in the field, uh, do you bring your sleeping mat? No. Good. Nobody fucking does it. No, I don't bring my piece of equipment. Yeah, it is. I don't bring my sleeping mat at all, man. Uh, I bring my hammock. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. This man's bougie as fuck. I do do good bougie. Uh, what was your first moment of army suck where you realized, fuck, this really sucks. Oh man. Let me see. Uh, so my first time in army suck. This was like um, going on a field training exercise, um, and I was on the saw, and it started to rain, and it was like thirty degrees mm -hmm. weather, and 
there was no time to like put a poncho on or anything. So it just starts pouring raining. And that's when I'm like just crying. I was like, <laughs> it just sucks. I was it's like, cold, it's rain. cold, it's rain. My your hands are, are on the cold fucking yeah. steel of the weapon. And exactly. You can't feel your hands. Yeah. Can't heal nothing, right? So I actually started like slowly grabbing my poncho and I started just sneaking it out because I'm, I'm going to cover myself. I don't give shit. I'm going to cover myself. And next thing you know, I just was able to throw it over myself and then I went to sleep. <laughs> well, at least you got some sleep. I out got of to that. sleep in the in the rain, but yeah, that was the first time when I was like, "Man, this shit sucks." Like, there are some moments where it just fuck, you just have to keep going. Yeah, wet as fuck. Have to keep going in wet boots. Oh, th- th- those are the worst <laughs> ones when your when your boots are wet, bro, and your socks are wet. That's probably the worst thing. Like, honestly, like that's one thing out of my fourteen years in the army, having wet boots and wet socks is probably the worst thing ever. That's why we call it the Wet Boots Podcast. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it just because it just sucks. Because uh, I had a moment where I was on my second pair of boots, and I had I had plenty of socks. Yeah, but it was like seven thirty in the morning, and I was like knee deep in swamps, and I was like, "Fuck, dude, this sucks." Yeah, dude. Like, I got no more boots. <laughs> I'm done. Like, I I have no choice. Oh, dude, I had one of my buddies. He actually burned his boots on the fire pit. Yeah, that happens he's, all the time. Like, you put them way too close. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm gonna dry them out. I'm gonna put this first pair here, and I put the second pair. I'm like, cool, man. I'm like, bro, I think they're too close. Like, nah, nah, it's gonna be cool, bro, dude. The next thing you know, bro, they look like chicharrones, bro. Yep. Straight the up, soul like, is all swollen. Rolled up, and I was like, "Bro, I don't think you got boots anymore, dog." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, uh, what's your best moment in the army? Uh, dang. If I, I think my best moment in the army, bro, was probably um, not gonna lie, it's probably um, getting my wreath on my from my jump master. Yeah, getting my wreath on my jump master, becoming a master rated. I think that's uh. It was one of one of my goals of mine, mm-hmm. and to finally just be a master rated jump master. Um, I just think it speaks volume to people. People see it and they're like, they trust you more. Yeah, you know, I always make a joke with the officers. I was like, hey, sir, you see this wreath? Yeah, I actually get saluted. <laughs> I was like, in, in the AR six seventy dash one for salute, you know, you know, for like, or no, what is it for? Um, uh, drills and ceremonies and courtesies. They're like, uh, is is Joe Masters get saluted, especially masturbated, and then you get saluted. You know? <laughs> and they always just laugh at me. And, but yeah, dude, honestly, that's probably one of my one of my proudest moments, just to finally like be able to jump and knowing that when the minute I landed, I was like, man, I'm finally masturbated. Yeah. Although my knees took a hit for it a bunch of times because <laughs> you had to jump sixty five plus times. Yeah. It's like twenty five total combat jumps. Um seven of uh, five five mass tacticals or tacticals uh uh seven night jumps one of them being a a nighttime uh jump master mm-hmm. and and a and a total of like plus hollywood jumps you know yeah. so it does take a this does take a toll on your knee so but just to finally get it and just wear it probably is just probably one of my proudest moments man that's what i'm talking about dude that's classy as fuck yeah uh what advice would you give someone who's uh, fresh out of basic or AIT? Uh, so for for basic, all right. So basic going to AIT. Uh, don't get into AIT marriages. Yeah, one hundred percent. Just focus on your job. Focus on your mission. Just get in and get out. Don't treat it like college. I think a lot of people try to treat it at college, especially those MOSs that are pretty long. Mm-hmm. There's some MOSs that are pretty quick, like four weeks, six weeks in and out, right? So it's not doesn't give you enough time to be an idiot. 
But I do tell you this, like, especially when you go from basic training and then you go to AIT, you have a lot of freedom. You, you finally become a human again. Yeah. Like you're like, Oh, I got freedoms. I got my weekends. I can do this at night, you know? And that's when mistakes happen. Just like, just focus on getting your job done. Your AIT, get, 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 become, become, uh, MOS qualified and then just go to your first duty station and then go ahead and enjoy your civilian life. You know what I'm saying? Just, just, just focus on getting your, um, get in and get out. What advice would you give somebody to get into their uh, first duty station? And then once you're from AIT going to your first duty station, uh, the first thing I recommend a lot of people is like, um, don't be a, um, don't be a yes man. Mm-hmm. Don't be a yes man. And don't be a, um, also don't be a shed bag either. Like yeah. You got to find that fine tune in between. Right. And, and the reason I say that is because if you become a yes man, naturally there's a lot of, and there's a lot of leadership and there's a lot of toxic leadership everywhere, especially in the military, where if you're the yes man, they will always go to you for everything. They will always put you on everything. They're always good. And because you deliver, however, though, the minute you make one mistakes, it's like, they just drop the whole book on you because they like have these high standards for you. And the minute you mess up, like they just like, like they treat you like you're worse than scum. Yeah. And then if you are scum, like from the get go, they know that you're scum. So they just leave you alone. And then you be, then you just realize like, yo, man, this dude doesn't even show up for formation, doesn't even have extra duty. And the minute I sneeze, I got extra duty. Like, what the hell's going on, right? Yeah. So you just got to find that happy medium where you're just, what I, what I recommend is just set those healthy boundaries. It's like, Roger Sergeant, yes, sir, I'll get this done. But be transparent. Be like, hey, I could do this. However, though, I got this lined up type mm-hmm. of thing, right? Like, make sure you have a happy, happy balance in the medium. Yeah, happy balance in the medium with whatever you got going on. Exactly, But right? be transparent. Be transparent. Number one is be transparent. Yeah. Uh knowing everything that you know now your highs your lows would you do everything all over again and i gonna lie bro uh as much as i talk shit about the military I, I i will do it all over again i would i would just because um um everything that it has provided me for example i think i think this is the one that really made me realize that it is worth it yeah it, it is worth it um uh, because during covid during covid Oh yeah. During COVID 2020, 2020, I literally stayed home the whole year. Really? I, I kept did, working, dude. Bro, what the I, fuck? I did not go to work at all. You piece of shit. Like, I kept going to I work. Kept, all they did was gave me my, my, my government computer and I took it home and dude, I grew a sweet beard. Um, I learned how to cook. I spent so much time with my kids. Like it was amazing just to stay home. And yeah. I think it, I think after like the six month of COVID where I was at home, I, I took a, just paused my life and I was like, I am so thankful that I'm actually able to still get a paycheck while there's people struggling yeah. getting a paycheck. And I'm at home with my kids working on a computer from like maybe three hours or so. And I didn't go, I didn't think I probably didn't go back to work probably into January, 2021, bro. Jesus. When they were like, okay, hey, um, you know, we're restricting certain things. Let's get the COVID vaccine, blah, blah, blah. I actually volunteered. I was actually one of the first ones to volunteer for the COVID vaccine. Mm-hmm. I said, send it. I was like, I'll be a, I'll be a test dummy. I mean, it, man, that's the least of your worries now. The army's giving you so many vaccines. What's one more? Exactly. What's one more going to do? Right. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll do it. Whatever. I'll be the first one. So if something happens, then at least I can get med board from, you know, turning into a mutant or something. True. You know what I'm saying? But that, that, that year, 2020 is what really highlighted my life where I was like, you know what? Although there is a lot of dumb stuff that happens within the military, however, the the pros outweighs all that stuff. It's just you have to find that good balance 
of of military life and civilian life and 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 actually this is one last advice that I give to everybody that's in the military is that let it be known that that uniform that you wear, wear it proudly, but know that that uniform will come off one day or another. Whether yeah. the army tells you to take it off or you decide to take it off. And so what you have outside of it is what's going to matter, you know. And I've seen a lot of good people within the military that they they focus so much in the military and they lose um, sight of the civilian world. Like they lose their kids, they lose their wives or husbands or whatever. And once they retire or get out of the army, they have nothing. Yeah. That's zero. So I tell people like, hey. Balance the army life and then try to focus on your civilian life. I tell these people, some people say like, oh, the, the army is like a, like a marriage. But I tell people, nah, man, the army is not like a marriage. The army is like a mistress. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The army is like a mistress. It's like she will suck you for what she wants and you will do exactly the same. Yeah. Just don't fall in love with the army. Yeah. Like, use each other for positivity, like for what it's worth. And then start capitalizing on transitioning out of the army eventually because you will get out, whether you yeah. retire, whether you get med board, whether you get out early and do your time. I mean, everybody that did their time and got out, yo, thank you for your guys' service. Like you guys, you know, volunteered proudly. But, you know, it's what you're going to do outside that's going to define who you are because the, the the uniform only goes for so long. You yeah. Know? I see people who were like retired sergeant majors. They're like, I was retired sergeant major. And like they're still working like at creators at Walmart. No one gives a shit. Mm -hmm. like, I was a retired sergeant major in the army. And it's like, yeah, bro, you're a greeter in the Walmart. Who cares? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But and that's the thing that is sad because like these guys spend so much time. They give so much to the military and that's their identity. But your identity shouldn't be that. So I tell people like focus that focus knowing that that uniform will come off. And start focusing on what, who you are outside of the military, because that is what's going to matter the most. Yeah, it's good advice because even in the army song, it says the army keeps uh, the army goes rolling along. Keeps rolling along. It's going to keep It's going to keep functioning with or without you, no matter what. Correct. You're you're replaceable. Yeah, you are replaceable. But at home, you're not replaceable. So if you have kids, just know that you're not replaceable. Those kids need you. Yeah. If you got a spouse. They need you. They're not. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say they're replaceable if you get another one. Because I know you and I eventually going to have to find something that everybody else. Right. But if you got kids like you, you be there for them. Yeah. You know, if you have family, be there for them. Um, start focusing outside, you know, f use the army for its pros and take advantage of everything it has because the army's going to take advantage of you for everything you got. Oh, yeah. So it's 100%. Like, like that's why I say it's like a mistress, you know, it's like don't fall in love with it. Just enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey, make some good memories, and then eventually you're just gonna have to be like deuces amount. Yeah, and that's very good advice. Uh, start start getting your shit ready, everybody. Yeah, uh, Abe, it's been such a pleasure and such an honor to have you here, dude. Nah, man, it's uh, been an honor. Go ahead, plug everything, anything you got going on: Instagram, Twitch, OnlyFans. <laughs> Feet, friends feet finder bro <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying uh, plug your feet finder dude yeah no hey, if you guys want to follow me on Instagram it's called it's uh, back to the cross um, it's on Instagram just common spelling back to the cross you'll find me there um, you'll see a lot of my posts where um, I'm helping that church especially helping the teenagers and that's usually where I go with all my advice I try to help these teenagers become better people in society yeah um, and you'll feel you'll see a lot of my shenanigans for jump master and other stuff that I do in the army it's just just pretty much my own personal life there so I like it Classy man. We had a great time today. Uh, follow us on wet boots underscore pod. Follow Abe, uh, Abe Marquez at uh, back to the cross on Instagram. Thanks for joining us. I hope you had a good time. We'll see you next time.